What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 17. Yep, we had a birthday. And husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of the father is to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. Today's guest is my friend, Mark Stanifer, and it couldn't have come at a more perfect time. Our conversation was exactly what I needed. We discuss overcoming fear and knowing you have what it takes to be a husband, father, and man. Enjoy meeting my friend, Mark. All right, my friends, here we go. Fatherhood Field Notes. I am already grinning ear to ear, looking forward to unpacking some fatherhood nuggets with my friend, Mark. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Ned, it's such a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, so it's a beautiful day here in Hawaii. And so I have the, I'm doing the podcast in the van. I have the doors open. So you might hear some birds or a car drive by or something, but it's just too nice to just be sweating in here. So you're, you're going to hear wind and rain and, and, and nasty gray if that were to make a sound from uh, from my side. Oh, my gosh. I know. I feel horrible. Um, but here we are. Uh, all right, Mark, just so that people get a little understanding of who I'm talking to, got a couple questions for you. How old do you find yourself today? Mm. Mm, can I have a little fun with that question? You sure can. So I just turned 50 a few weeks ago. Yes. And I feel like I'm going into this next decade with more purpose and intention and excitement than any of the previous decades. And and my hair's gone, my body doesn't cooperate the way it used to, but there's a there's an excitement that hasn't been there. Mm. And um a lot of that has to do with my journey and we'll, we'll get into some of yeah. that, but um, the number is 50, but the excitement and the energy is there as if, as if I were younger. It's such a, like, don't get me wrong. Life is not perfect. That's not what I'm saying here. It's just a good season for me to be in. And I'm, I'm excited about what's coming. So I'm 39 about to turn 40. Maybe there's a guy listening who's 29 about to turn 30. And there's something about these, you know, milestones where you're kind of looking at things a little bit differently, like a new year, but a little bit different, right? New decade. The joy, the excitement, the uh, the looking on that you have for your 50s. How much of that could I apply now as, as a 39-year-old or say a 29-year-old? And then what amount of that is just like, you got to wait till you're here, right? Because there's this like, oh, here, read this book, read the, listen to this podcast or whatever. And I think some of us are always looking for this nugget. And some of it's just like, buddy, you got to go through it. Like having a baby for the first time, like you could read every book you want, but that moment of having a baby is far different when you go through it than when you read about it. Um, So any thoughts on that? Like, and basically here's the core of what I'm asking. What can I take from where you are today and apply it to where I am now? Yeah, great question. So I'm in a season of life that just happens for me to be around 50. For some, it's a little earlier. For some, it's a little bit later. But 
My kids are my kids are older. They're launching. My my wife and I are are moving into this empty nester season. In fact, we're going to be grandparents in August. Yeah, so buddy. like season of life, you just have to you have to experience that, right? You mm. can't rush that. You you have to you have to go through the process in order to to be there. But I think what it does. Go ahead. But what does apply to anybody and everybody is the sense of purpose and direction mm-hmm. and intentionality. Why am I doing what I'm doing? What do I want to be doing? Routines, habits, the people that I'm surrounding myself with, the, the very things that that you talk about on a regular basis, that it, 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 they're not limited by age. They're not limited by season. Now, certainly there's there's wisdom and there's experience that comes um there's wisdom that comes through that experience for sure but you could operate with with intention and purpose and meaning and significance today whether you're 19 29 39 or or, or 49 so i think I, I think that's what translates to anybody mm-hmm, wherever mm-hmm. you are in your season in your circumstances um you can move in and through them with intentionality and purpose um, regardless of how old you are. This is really powerful. And I, I want people to pause and pick up on this. I'm kind of, I wrote down five things real quick. I wrote down purpose, direction, and intentionality. And then I put a line and on the other side, I put people and habits. Cause I think sometimes we might find some, say some influence that we would love on Instagram or a author or whatever. And we're looking at, oh my gosh, look at what they're doing. And we think that the people and habits that we need to be doing now um, are actually in the wrong season. So, you know, like if I have a little kid, I, I need to embrace that season and not be thinking about the the 50 year old season and trying to have the people habits, money, business, whatever of that, of that season age almost doesn't matter. It's the season. And I think sometimes we rush, we either rush the season or we don't fully live in the season. And I could think of times in my life where I was looking at the people and habits of people who were in a different season than I was trying to implement them in the season that I was in missing the season that I was in. Um, and so I, I think that if you focus on the purpose, direction, intentionality in the season that you're in, and then honor that season, you make the most of that, which then you probably gain the wisdom you need for the next season. It's a combination that of being present. Yeah. So being hard f- being fully present and yet still moving forward. Right. Like uh-huh. that's, there's such a, there's such a, I will never master that in all of my years, how many I'm given, I will never master that. But I can continue to work at finding that appropriate balance of being fully present to what's happening and yet having having uh, momentum, having forward movement to keep going. Yeah. And I think the beauty is found in that tension. Like I'm finding now, and I think I could only realize that as a 39-year-old man, is that there is no arrival. My 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 coffee mug right now says, enjoy the journey. It just mm. is, you know. Um, okay, we could just wrap forever. Okay, so you're 50, going into a new season. Um, where do you live and how many years you've been married and how old are your kids? Yep, we're in Central Ohio right outside of uh, Columbus. Um, my wife and I are in year 28. Of 
Nice, we bro. Date, yes. We dated five and a half years before we got married. So really, we've been together for over 30 years. It's Wow. Um, it's fantastic, man. It's just fantastic. She's such a beautiful person. Um, our kids are 22, 22, 23, 23 married and will be, uh, will be, uh, are expecting their first here in August. Um, Congrats. And then thank you son. And then another son, middle son, he's, uh, he's 20, will be 21 here in a couple of months. And then my daughter is 18. She'll be graduating from high school. Uh, here in a couple months as well. And so seasonally also, there's just, there's a lot happening just in this season of life, a lot yeah. of transitions for, for each of my kids as they move to their, to their next stage. Um, but yeah, we've been in the Columbus, Ohio area for as long as we've been married and um, excited about now seeing, seeing the kids um, step into who they are, who they were created to be and fly mm-hmm. It's fun. It's really, really fun. Um, and then just wondering, okay, what's what what could this mean for for my wife and I as we yeah. move together into this new season? And yeah. I don't have an answer for that question yet, but we're both looking forward to that journey and exploring the adventure together. Oh, good. Okay, so I'm gonna put you on the spot and ask you a couple of questions. And it's gotta be a short answer. So if you were to share with me, we, we you're married 28 years. How do you, you know, you said she's a beautiful person. What would be the one thing you would share with me that you'd say, cause I'm at, I'm at 18 years. Okay. So you're 10 years ahead of me in that Ned, this, this is a way we really kept the, f- the fire alive or the intentionality alive or the marriage strong, whatever. What's just something you'd say marriage wise for a nugget. Mm. I think we've always maintained that our marriage is a priority mm. regardless of what's going on. It, and what does that look like practically to to say it's a priority and to to take action? Yeah. So uh, as a simple example, even when our kids were young, we were finding time to go out together and go overnight, extended mm-hmm. stays, vacationing without the kids. Like that yeah. that's the that was that was a that was intentional when we were when we were younger today. It's just, it's finding those moments in the midst of busyness and schedule and all of that to where we can still connect and, and not just download on details like the, the logistics and the scheduling and all that, but just like really connect and, and, and communicate. So probably longer answer than you were looking for. No, it's but good. Like just, just making it a priority regardless of what else is, is going on. Um, and, you know, there's a, it's a little easier when we enjoy spending time together too. Yeah. I'll just share a quick little thing is Sarah and I hadn't taken really uh, a couple day overnighter for two years. And we just did last week. Um, somebody had given us an opportunity, all paid for a trip to go. And, and we got to spend like four nights together. And I'll tell you like yesterday I texted her, Hey, I'm, I miss spending all day with you, you know, cause, mm-hmm. cause we got to spend all day together and, and the, the me noticing all the things I love about her, like it's way more, there's a, just a deeper connection. And so just echoing what you said is I think men, we have to create that space. And I think our job, like I'm realizing this more and more as I talk about fatherhood, 
I think one of our primary jobs as men is to create space. So like whether that's with our wife, with our kids is to create the space. It doesn't necessarily like whatever can happen in that space, but make the space available for connection. Um, Okay. So my next question then is you have a 23 year old, right? 23 year old or so. How's your relationship with them? Uh, Fantastic. Okay. So so how, so that was my next thing. So you got this marriage. That's great. Now, I think a lot of us look at, you know, I'm going to be a dad for 18 years, but now you're friends with your 23 year old. What is that? Talk, talk to me about how that's possible. So that was the goal from the beginning, not Mm -hmm. raising kids, raising adults. Mm -hmm. And the way I think, the way I like to think about it now is I'm getting a return on the investment as he becomes an adult and and now a dad on his own down the road. Um, But part of it for the boys specifically, Ned, was working them through a rite of passage process, a specific mm-hmm. um, customized initiation process um, that, again, required some planning and some some diligence on, on my part, but it set us up to to recognize when they become when they become men, like just that transition, that threshold, you came in as a boy, you're going out as a man, dad sees you as a man. So, 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 so powerful. But it also set me up and my wife to see them differently. Mm. You know, it's not just he's 23, but he's he's got what it takes to yes. figure it out. And it. I'm not I'm not telling him what to do anymore. I'm, I'm inviting what he thinks. I'm asking mm-hmm. his opinion. I'm using more of the coach approach in our conversations. Well, what are you going to do? What do you think? What would be most helpful rather than, you know, like an eight-year-old boy that just needs to be told, go, go do this because this is, you know, this is, this is what you need. It, it has so helped me reframe how to interact with him that it's just, like you said, it's created this space for us to be peers and friends mm-hmm. Even when he comes to me and says, "Hey, Dad, what do you think? I have a, I have a, I have a question." And some, some of it's his wiring versus versus his younger brothers. Um, but even his younger brother, I find now after they've transitioned into this manhood space, after the initiation, it, it's not like communication stops and they don't need Dad anymore. Yeah. In fact, it's the other way around. They're asking me, "Well, what, what do you think?" That I've got this question or I've got this challenge. What what are what are your thoughts? And so, it's created this relationship um, evolution that is really cool. It's like it's like we're friends, but but they're still looking they're still looking to dad um, for for insight for wisdom. And I they wouldn't say it this way, but they st- I know this is true because. I still want this for my dad. Mm-hmm. They want to hear dad say, I'm proud of you. You've got what it takes. Go do it. I'm I'm with you. So good. So good. Ah, speaking my language. I love this. Break break down the rite of passage for us if you can. Um, as men are thinking about this, like my son's 13, done a few things with him, got some ideas for him. But but break that down. What did that look like for you? Yeah, it was a multi-year process starting around 12. With a with a kickoff event, just a, a special event with with me and him, um, with the oldest, and I highly encourage this. There were a few other dads and sons that that started this together. Um, 
the kickoff event. And then for us, we had, um, I, I developed a crest, a family crest. And the crest had four different character qualities associated with it that for me at the time represented what the, the men that I was trying to build and to, mm. to create out of out of my sons. And so I structured um, sometimes successfully, sometimes pretty, um, pretty goofy failures, um, events, activities, assignments around each of those four qualities mm. over the course of the, the four or five years. Uh, and then we had uh, we had an event at the end that involved other men to come to speak into their lives about those qualities and what they see in these the, you know these 17 18 year old young men about to be men had a, had a celebration event that involved food and there was a a bit of a testing that I asked them to to go through nothing that was like um is this going to happen is it not going to happen but like a go out and do this thing and then come back. And as you come back into the, come back here, the group will be waiting for you and will celebrate you and literally use this language. You walked in as a boy and you will walk out as a man. Yeah. I'm, I'm getting emotional just thinking about it again. Um, like they'll always be able to point back to that moment yeah. whenever they have the doubt, like I did. Am I a man? Did I like what was it? The 401k? Was it sex for the first time? Was it the car? Like what was it that? Yeah. Yes. They will never have to wonder because they were mm. that date and that experience where dad and a bunch of other guys that are important to them said, welcome to the community of men. You you're there. You're on the team now. Take your place and do your part. Beautiful. I think that that's that that's the nugget right there for me is that moment of never having to wonder because I think so many men who are stumbling into fatherhood are still having an insecurity and maybe we all sort of carry that to some level like do I have what it takes and I think ultimately and you probably agree with me on this ultimately I'm going to let my son down like I'm not going to be able to fulfill that full need but that's because my primary goal is to call him into manhood and point him to, you know, I believe we are created by a heavenly father. And like, that's where the full fulfillment will come from. But, yeah. but, but this idea of, of wondering, am I a man? Do I have what it takes? And you and I, as fathers have that ability, opportunity requirement. We have the authority to, to say that to them and to invite them in. And I think, so, so here's a question for you, because as I'm, kind of developing thoughts around how to invite men into their role as a father. If a man, if a man didn't get that from their own dad, we're, we're, we're missing out on how do I then give that to my son? Right. And I think that's where the, you know, we perpetuate this thing. So if there's a man listening, he's like, man, I didn't get that from my dad. And deep down, I have the biggest insecurities around this. I don't know when the moment was that I became a man. What would you say to them? To, to 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 have them own it so that they could then give it and invite their son into it. Yeah. So first of all, almost nobody got that from their dad. It's yeah. it's yeah. been it's been out of our process for generations now. And so nobody got it. You're not alone. I didn't mm. get it. I, I'm guessing you didn't get it, Ned. Not really. Mo almost all dads today didn't get it. Or they got a bad version of it. Like 
here, here's here's a beer. And if you can chug this in 20 seconds, welcome to manhood. Right. <laughs> I'm just I'm just making that stuff up. But we we got we got told the wrong things were evidence of manhood. Mm. We weren't given the process. And so like John Eldridge talks about this, there's just a bunch of unfinished men walking yeah. around, right? Yeah. In adult bodies with adult power, but boys inside. So you're you're not alone. That was that was my story and I had I had a fantastic upbringing. But at, at 28 or 29, I'm like, did, did I become a man yet? Like, when when did that happen? Um, so I think my dad did the best he could, just like mm-hmm. I've done the best I could. But in my in my space, the way I owned it was, okay, I was given a foundation. I was given a heritage, a pretty good one. But I want to do better for my kids. I want to do better for my boys. So I had to... I had to do some research. I had to go to work. I had to not just let it happen yeah. nat- naturally or accidentally. I had I had to I had to plan. Uh and that's not hard for me. I'm a planner by nature anyway. Um but it was a bit of a challenge finding good information and finding ways to to put things together or like what should I do? What does what does it look like? And and the way I've come to describe it is this it it doesn't so much matter what you do as long as those things that you're doing with your son are significant and meaningful to both him and and you mm-hmm. and you're celebrating those milestones and those moments with with intention and you're you're capturing you're capturing those moments for for example like Uh, 16-year-old gets licensed and is driving the car for the first time. It's a normal circumstance in a kid's life, but how could it be part of your man training experience for that kid? How could you use those graduation moments, those sporting moments, those moments that are already going to happen? How can you turn those into this is part of how you're becoming a man and I'm walking right alongside you. We're going to do this together and we're going to, we're going to get to some place and we're going to celebrate when we're there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. And, and, and I, I don't want to distract, but I, I do want to share this story because um, I think it'd be helpful for dudes who have daughters. You know, I have a, my daughter turned 17 yesterday, my oldest, and then I have a 14 year old, a 13 year old and a 10 year old. And then my son, he's 13. But one thing that my wife and I had decided early on, and so this is for the dudes with the daughters, is I would never make their period weird. Mm-hmm. I would I would tell them, hey, so I took them out when they were about 12, like, hey, this is going to come soon. Dad knows it. If you want to talk to me about it, I'd love to be a part of it, but I also want to respect you if that's just between you and mom. But we also decided that we would celebrate it and that when it happened, mom would take them out for the weekend to a hotel and get into pedicures and whatever they wanted to do, dinner and stuff, just to to honor this happened versus just like it happened at a party. And luckily, my mom gave me some tampons and they're my backpack or whatever. So what's been really beautiful about it now is like, dude, me and my son, I was walking through Costco like a month ago with like two boxes of tampons, just like no big deal, bro. I don't care, you know? And then my daughters will just openly talk to me about it. I don't think that's the win necessarily. It's great that they do. And I don't make it weird, nor does my son, but just to bring in that, like you said, getting your license for men 
I think there's a big struggle around, oh my gosh, that's just an unspoke. We don't talk about that in our house. And I think we've just made it not a big deal and you should or could as well. And it's just, it's safe for them. They're like, oh yeah, dad, I'm on my period right now. And it's like, oh yeah, bummer. I'm sorry for you. That sucks, you know, but let me, how do I love on you? You want some French fries from McDonald's or whatever? I remember my son one time, uh, cause some, some girl said like, I got cramps. I need French fries. And my son's like, I want cramps <laughs> so he can get some French fries. <laughs> Anyways, I just want to drop that in, uh, for the dudes with, with daughters. Yeah, it's a, it's important. Um, I thought, I think I did fairly well with, with sons. I didn't do so well with the process for, for a daughter. Um, and we don't have to spin off into that, but I do believe that, it, it's not necessarily as significant for daughters in the way that it is for for uh, for sons, for that man developing Agreed. process. It's like the man has got to be called out of the boy by another man. Ugh. With with girls, yes. with girls, their body gives them the cues right. that they are they're moving into womanhood, and and I don't mean to to say it's not important for girls. There are moments that we've recognized with our daughter as well. We've got a big one coming up with, with the school graduation and all that. Um, but I think boys have just been left behind because we've forgotten how men are made. I 100% agree. And I think ultimately as dads, it would be less about a rite of passage for your daughter. I mean, do some stuff. That's great. But it's more about every day for 18 years, if you're married, did you love the wife well with respect? And, mm. and, and really that's the best gift you could give your daughter is for her to have a successful marriage, successful respect for herself um, in high school and beyond is how did you show up to love your wife? And I think that is the best gift you can give your daughter, which is freaking hard, dude. It's hard to be yeah. married. It's, it's hard to be kind. Uh, you know, and I, I, I've, I've led a couple or I've uh, officiated a couple weddings and I would, you know, we always talk about first Corinthians, you know, love is patient, love is kind. And that only comes from putting yourself in a situation where you don't want to be kind. You don't want to be patient. You want to be freaking rude, you know, and, uh, but your daughters are watching and they're going to marry a dude like you. And right. do you want your daughters to marry a dude like you? A lot of guys would say, no, I'm a douche. And then you better f- change that then because they are going to. Right, uh, right on. That's a heavy call. <laughs> that's a heavy call. <laughs> um, all right. I can tell there's, I, I'm going to skip over some of some questions because uh, I just want to kind of get into a couple things. Um, uh, just real quick in, you know, 30 to 60 seconds, what is it that you do for a living? I know some of that's maybe changing right now, but to help guys conceptualize like what it is that you're doing every day, what, what does that look like? Yeah. So the easiest way to describe it is I'm in the leadership coaching space, that that self-development, that leader development space, both as a practitioner, uh, working with individuals and groups in, in that coaching context, as well as working on a, a team, a leadership team for a coaching, leadership coaching um, development organization. And so I, I can I can play as the uh, as the the administrator, operator, helping run the business. And I, I can also play in the practitioner space, but it's all about 
helping people learn to lead themselves well so that when they show up, wherever they show up, they can lead others better as well. Whether that's in the home as a dad or as Mm -hmm. a mom, or that's in the marketplace or in ministry on the sidelines of your, 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 your kids, uh, athletic event, whatever it is, just learning to lead yourself better. Beautiful. Awesome. Okay. Now, this podcast is called Fatherhood Field Notes. We've already been doing it, and we're going to keep doing it. You're going to open up your field notes, share your life with us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And it it could be applied to many things, but the idea of rebelling against something as a man, I have this desire to fight, okay? But not just to tear something down and be destructive, to create something beautiful out of it. And really, I mean, at the core, you and I are fathers. We get to create uh, not just actual human beings, but in our homes, we create life or death with our words or actions. When you hear the words rebel and create, what are you currently rebelling against? And what do you hope to create out of that rebellion? Yeah. So I'm, I'm clearly on a mission to rebel against fear. Mm. Um, fear is fear is a punk that has owned me for, for too long. And the way the way I'll describe it sometimes is I've had a long and sordid affair with fear and I'm done, man. I'm done. But but for me, it's not it's not going to the extreme of being fearless. Um, and, and I'm not wired to be that way. Some some guys maybe are more wired in that direction, but it's it, it is not letting fear call the shots, not letting mm. fear hold me back, not yeah. letting fear run the table in in a way that that it used to um for the for the majority of my adult life it's really been within the last decade that i I have learned how much fear was controlling me and holding me back and what it's like to move beyond that and, and live more in the abundance in the biggest broadest definition the abundance and and thriving rather than being being held back. Like you can think of it this way. You can, you can, the Hebrews, the Hebrew people out of Egypt are a great example. God rescued them from the slavery. He he freed them, but it was up to them to really live into that freedom, right? So I recognize that I've been freed from the slavery of fear, from the bondage of fear. But until I live into that and do my part, then I'm just, whether I'm in Egypt or I'm in the promised land, I'm still, I'm still slave to fear. And so that's where I'm rebelling, man. Like it's, it's had me enough and I'm, I'm, I'm done. How do you rebel against fear? So great question. Here's what it's looked like for me. One, admit that it's been there. Mm-hmm. Two, get a little more clear on not just fear as the onion, but peeling the layers back. And, and for me, that's looked like I, I am a- afraid of failure. I'm afraid of getting it wrong. I'm mm-hmm. afraid of making mistakes, which you can see then how that's held me back, right? Right. Um, and even more specifically, the the insight in the last couple of years is I'm just I'm afraid that I'm not good enough. Not that I'm not doing enough, but more like I'm, mm. I'm not good enough in my being and in my person. And there's uh, there's myriad ways where that's played out and how I operate and how I think. But 
getting that awareness and putting a label and some understanding to it then allows me to to begin to shift my thinking, my mindset, my approach to, okay, I see you. I, I recognize fear is there. But instead of succumbing to it, I'm going to I'm going to get behind it and try to figure out why is what what is it that's prompting me to feel this fear? Oh, well, well, there it is. There's a chance that I might make a mistake or I might not get it perfect right out of the gate. Well, then I can deal with that more on the logical, the truth, the rational level. Well, of course, I'm not going to get it right out of the gate. Of course, I'm going to make mistakes. Of course, I'm going to fail. So then that allows me to reframe how I think about mistakes or failure or or not getting it right. And so I mean this is this is in the emotional intelligence EQ space, but it, it until I can admit it and label it, then I I can't see what fear is really trying to do, which is it's a signal. It's a signal in the brain. I'll, I'll go all Steve Irwin on you. Remember the Aussie that was the crocodile? Yeah. Dude your brain is yelling danger, danger, danger. <laughs> it's surfacing as fear because your mm. brain's trying to keep you safe. Your brain is is in misinterpreting a situation as like an identity threat, a security mm. threat. Yeah, when mm-hmm. it's when it's not really. And so, getting past that, recognizing that who I am is not on the line, who I am as a son of God, who I am as a person, it's not on the line here then I can begin to move past that. There's a there's a lot there. And I'll let you take me where you want me to go here. But it's it's really just learning that emotional intelligence, those emotional cues and seeing fear as a signal, just like any other emotion, seeing it as a signal for what might be happening. And then sitting with that, getting behind it, um, and then deciding, actively deciding where I want to go, how I want to think, what I want to do, rather than reacting to that emotion. Oh, so good. You know, this idea of fear controlling our lives. And I'm going to share a couple things and then see where that leads us. I'm. Have you read or listened to the book Outwitting the Devil? I have not. Okay, so on my second time through it, I'm about to have my my kids read it or my teenagers at least, and I'm listening to the audible version. And it's so wild because it's this the uh, Napoleon Hill wrote the book, and the character is having this argument with the devil, or conversation, I should say, with the devil. And it's really cool and audible because it's like me talking, and then the devil talking is like this harsher voice, and it's really about mm-hmm. the devil's tools to hold us back, right? And it's it's just an example of how people live mediocre lives, really, but fear. Right. Like, how do I get you to be f- afraid and not take action? Because you, the potential you have as a human being is is wild. Now, to be more vulnerable, which I was with you prior to hitting record, as I shared with you, I, we're always on this path of growth. Right. Enjoy the journey. This is our life. And, and I'm not a person that fasts very often, but I'm fasting today. And I had this, you know, random conversation with a man who called me right before you and I talked and and he shared some things like he's like, hey, I was thinking about you and I wanted to share these thoughts. And they were like way in tune with with where I'm at. And, And in that conversation, and this is what I shared with you, is what I heard was you don't have to work so hard to be my son. So like mm-hmm. if I look at myself as a child of God, like, dude, you're working so hard to like 
and and it's a lot of it's fear based, right? It's this it's operating out of just taking action, uh, doing a lot versus being, right? And it's like you want to be in the being side. So when I shared that with you, you talked about overcoming fear, but then you also talked about a story that you might want to share. So I think those things were tied together. Is that accurate? Yeah, it's accurate. So, uh, I, I I love the the reference to that book. I wrote it down. I'll go I'll go look at it. Yeah, message um, me. It's 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 pretty wild. It's good. When you go back to the original creation story, and even Adam make their decision, they they pluck the fruit. What happens instantly? They become aware, they feel shame, mm. and they're afraid of Father God, who they mm. know will come wandering through the garden to interact with them, and they, they go and hide, right? I, I believe 100%, I believe that fear is a tool of the enemy to undermine, as you said, the great potential that we have. And for... For those of us that don't break free from fear, then we fall short. We fall mm. short of the potential of what we could be. You use the word mediocrity. Here's here's a here's a cool thing. I was telling you this. I, I haven't told this story publicly. I've shared it with a few folks, but I haven't told the story publicly before. So as part of my journey over the last couple of years, getting to that insight of, oh, I'm afraid that I'm not good enough as a person. I had this thought, well, where did that come from? Mm. And I was having coffee with a friend who is who's got um some very admirable spiritual qualities about him. Um, and I just I love our interactions. He's like, Well, do you mind if I just pray for you right now in the middle of a Panera having coffee? And <laughs> so his prayer was. Father, give Mark some insight into where this fear might have come from. Mm. It was no more spiritual or significant than that. Well, sometime in the next couple of weeks, I'm recalling a story, uh, an experience, a memory from when I was a little boy, probably eight or nine. That's a, that's about as close as I can yeah. get it. And it's my earliest re- earliest memory of feeling ashamed, feeling mm. embarrassed for for my my personhood or my performance. Um, we're riding bikes in the neighborhood. We're jumping bikes, which, you know, what, what boy doesn't do that? We're jumping bikes. There's two or three or four of us maybe. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm pedaling, 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 pedaling. And before I hit the ramp, I, I pull back a little bit. I, I kind of hit a governor like, uh, I'm a little, I'm a little nervous. I hit the jump. Everything's fine. I land it. And all of that is consistent with my wiring. I, I'm not the head first through the wall. I'm like, okay, let me just, let me step back. Let me analyze this. Let me think about mm-hmm. it. That's how I'm wired. That's how I'm created. But I go through, I hit the jump, I land the bike, I, I peel back around and and I feel this sense of, well, that wasn't good enough mm. because the other boys are all out and they're doing it better. They're hitting it harder. And I I pulled up. And it was like in that moment, not even realizing what was happening, I was inviting this bug of shame to infect me. And, he, you know, this was a couple of years ago. I'm 47, 48 at the time. You know, 40 years later, 40 years later, I'm having this insight of, oh, wow, that's maybe where it took hold. Hmm. Now, 
Here's where it gets super cool. I went back to that same guy a couple of weeks later for a um, for a coffee meetup again. And I'm like, dude, you're never going to believe what happened. So I told him the story that I, I just told you. And he's like, hey, do you, w- would you be willing to, to work with me here and go through an exercise to, to maybe reinterpret or reframe that? Um, and I can't even tell you what the exercise is. Formational prayer. I think that's what it's called. So he took me back through that moment. And he said, I want you to see it again from this perspective. Is Jesus there? And instantly, I'm seeing Jesus to the left of the jump as I hit the jump. Now, nothing about how I hit the jump changes. Nothing about the environment changes. That sense of shame still comes over me after I roll off the uh, roll out of the jump and up back on the driveway. Only this time, I look at I look at Jesus, and there's this huge grin on his face. Mm. I'm emotional, telling the story, man. Yes. There's this huge grin on the face. And what I feel him, hear him say is, I'm proud of you. You did it. For so long, it was, I didn't do it right. I didn't do it good enough. Jesus is like, you did it. You did it. And I'm proud of you. And like, just that, that healing, man, just washes over like, oh, I can be free from the shame. I can be free from the fear that I'm not good enough. because. The man, the father, was initiating me in that mm-hmm. moment to know that you're good enough. You're good enough. I'm I'm telling you, you're good enough. You don't have to live like that anymore. So I'll stop and let you let you respond. But like, so so good for me to experience that and then begin to move forward without that baggage. And when you move forward without that baggage, what changes, right? Because life, you're still, like you said, this is my wiring, but I want myself to hear and other men to hear is, is that walking in freedom, right? Is, is, and, and, and and I'm sure there's always going to be continued level ups or whatever you want to call them in our current, you know, personal development world, but what does it look like to go out and be Mark after that? You know, and, and whatever whatever guy's listening right now to be able to reframe uh, part of your life, the story, because it's your story. It could be told however you want. Like it was your jump, your bike. And ultimately, it wasn't even another kid who said it. It was you who said it, right? So you can reframe that story however you want because it's yours. And I think many of us walk around with these stories that we could reframe what does it look like to operate as Mark after? Yeah, there's, there's a peace there Mm. and a a comfort and a contentment that, that wasn't there before. Um, The, the before is um, trying to prove something or, or hide from some evidence of that fear, right. To confirm that I'm, I'm not good enough today. It's it's showing up in a conversation like this with a mantra beforehand as just simply a reminder, I have nothing to prove. Uh-huh. I have no reason to hide because who I am is not on the line. So nothing to prove, no reason to hide, continual reminder 
that I am secure. And we know this, we know mm. this net and head in our head, right? In the in the Christian space, we know we are sons and daughters. We know we are children of the king. But what does it look like to really live as if there is no separation between us and Father? There is nothing. There is now no longer anything that can separate us from the love of God. Like, what does it look like to live like that? Well, for me, it's those mantras. It's the Mm -hmm. turning the I can't into I can. Turning the... um, this is a failure and it's bad into no, 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 no. This is evidence of growing. This is part of the growing process and living in, you said it earlier, living in that tension Mm -hmm. where both things can be true at the same time. It can be hard and it can be good. It can be like, this can just really suck right now. And I know that the process is developing me into something greater and, and further it's being okay in in the midst of that again back to nothing to prove and no reason to hide i mean if if men fathers especially showed up with i have nothing to prove and nothing to hide i mean what's so interesting and you know it cuz you i think you've done some retreats and different things like that is once you can get men out of their daily r- rhythm routine and they open up they have they're, they're so much there when they're vulnerable. There's so much growth and progress that happens. So that mantra or story that you're telling yourself of like, I have nothing to prove and nothing to hide is really a beautiful one for us men to live by. I want to, I want to help us for a minute. And maybe you have some insight on this. You know, when you're eight or nine, the reason why I, I'm thinking that you uh, felt less than is because you're comparing to others. And so much of the time we're comparing to others. So what's your suggestion or thought around? I want to be inspired by others, right? You know, so like there's something to be said about being inspired by the kid jumping his bike and, or whatever, the great dad, the great husband, whatever. But what's the difference between being inspired by something to call me up and into Versus comparing myself to which pushes me down into feeling less than not good enough, right? So there's these kind of two differences. What are your thoughts around? I don't want to just isolate myself. I want to go be inspired. But when I'm inspired by meeting Mark, I don't want to think, God, I'm such a crappy dad. I want to be called into, wow, I want to be a great dad. Yeah, it's a great question. I heard a while back something that I really like. And when we do the comparison to somebody else, we're comparing to where they are today, which is not necessarily where we are. Now, if we could roll them back to where they were yesterday that better matches where we are today, then it might be a a more beneficial and helpful comparison, but we can't. We look at those who are um, are at a different place and we compare ourselves today to where they are. And it's not, it's not a fair comparison. The other thing that I would say is this, the better comparison is to who you were yesterday, Mm. not to who that person is today. Now look at what they're doing, learn from what they're doing, hear from some of my story. Don't make the same mistakes that I made for 40 years Get some of this stuff resolved earlier. Look at that influencer or that author or that mentor and and take the wisdom. This was not something that I was very good at because 
it seemed to me that if I didn't figure it out myself, it didn't count. It wasn't good mm-hmm. enough because I wasn't good enough, right? So it's contextual and nuanced to the person. But take what you see and what you like and apply it to who you are today so that you can see progress versus who you were yesterday, rather than being caught in the comparison trap of who that other person is. Mm. Man, that's that's really, really good. And and I'm the the book dropper, but that book, A Gap in the Gain, has helped me a lot this year in that. Um, and that is, you know, to you're basically you versus you, right? Yeah. But but a lot of times we get caught up, even if measuring the net I want to be versus the net I was a year ago and measure those wins, not the gap, you know, because if I'm growing and progressing, the net I want to be should continue to get bigger and bigger and bigger, right? So the hope is I never reach that dude. Um, so gap in the gain is real was really powerful for our team. Um, Mark, I mean, this has been so beneficial, you know, and we're coming up to to close to the to to the end of our conversation here. Before I ask my final question, is there anything we didn't touch on or anything around fear that you'd like to to talk about? Anything else that's kind of sitting with you right now? So when I was in my middle to late 30s, I started down a uh, what I like to jokingly call a, a pharisectomy, a, a spiritual surgery to remove <laughs> the Pharisee that had, had really infected me. Um, and what happened in that moment or uh, in that period, I guess, it was not overnight. It was years. And it's in some ways still still happening. I'm recovering. I'm recovering. Um, What happened for me is I saw my relationship with Father God in less of an obedience first perspective and more of a relationship and love and trust first, Mm -hmm. which was huge for me, huge in my spiritual understanding. And where, where that took me as a father was huge as well. Because what I noticed then in my fathering coming out of that is I was more interested in pursuing the hearts of my kids and Mm -hmm. letting the obedience flow from there for them rather than you must be obedient because I do know what's best, even with good intent. Yeah. Yeah. I was wanting my kids to obey and and that was... I'm oversimplifying it, but that was really my focus. So that shift, man, going from a love-based approach to parenting my kids rather than an obedience and quite honestly, a fear-based approach. Like, mm-hmm. What does that mean for me as a father if my kids are not obeying me? Like, oh, cri- insecurity crisis right there. Um, that transition from obedience-based to love-based was huge. And I think to to go back to one of your earlier questions, that's also why I can have healthy and strong relationships with my kids as they're no longer kids, as they're adults and they're doing their adulting thing as both men and women. So I'm going to bring up a story, but I'm going to ask you a question first, and I want you to ponder on this question while I share a story. So my question is, how do you discipline your kid when you are operating out of a um, love base versus a obedient base. Okay. So you think about that while I share this, I think that 
you know, a lot of us are turned off from Christianity because we have pitched it as this obedient, you're either in or you're out, you know, this, you go into hell, forgiveness of sins, whatever. So it's very fear-based. And, and I always struggle with like, okay, love, fear, obedience, whatever. And our pastor man shared this gnarly story, this uh, just recently, which is funny because I'm like never sharing stuff he says, but here we are of his kid pissing him off. And so he grabbed his kid, said, meet me in the kitchen, takes a photograph of their family off of the, the refrigerator, tears the kid off out of the picture, tears the kid off, sets it on the counter and is like, listen, you are you're going to listen and obey, or you're going to not be a part of this family. Right. So he shares this story. Now the story's not true. He didn't actually do that. He, he was trying to like, just shock the, the shock everybody, but he's like, what kind of sick freaking individual would you be raising? Like what kind of adult would you raise? If that's how you, you know, talk to your kid or how your kid had to feel like they operated in your household. And his point was like, we've done that in Christianity for a long time of like, you're either in or you're out based on your actions. Right. And I just love that example. Cause I mean, Oh my gosh, your heart goes, Holy crap. What a freaking crazy person. But a lot of times that's how I viewed God is like, yep. if I screw this thing up, I'm out. And if so, if that's my view, then how am I going to be a dad to my own kids? If that's kind of my view of this, like bigger picture thing. So that really was like a great way for me to understand the difference of a love, a love based or obedient base. So you can say whatever you want about the story, but going back to the question I asked you is how do you then discipline your kids when it's a love based versus an obedience based? Yeah. So it's been a number of years since I've had to put the discipline. Hat <laughs> yeah. On. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure. Um, and, and it, it is, it, it's too, so let me say it this way. What's the motivation? Mm. If you can get behind the motivation for the actions that you're taking and understand whether that's the motivation that you want or not, then you can, you can make the decision versus the reaction. And what I mean by that is, So much of what I thought was discipline was really punishment and it was shame based. Mm. And it was to make me feel like I'm in control as a dad. I'm good as a dad. And my kids are, they, they understand that obedience is, is key. And that's because I was perceiving obedience as key to following God. And not that it's it's not relevant, but when my motivation was I'm insecure, I'm reacting yeah. out of anger and I need my kids to obey, that's a completely different experience for me and for them. Yeah. And when this is more of a disciplined conversation like look, this this goes against the values, the 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 way we want to operate as a family. And you know that, and you know, there are consequences from, from going against that. You know, that's a much, much more level headed conversation than reacting out of anger. And dude, I've done both. And I can tell you that the, the, the disciplined in control, not motivated out of insecurity is a much better experience for me and for, for the kids. 
And it still needs to happen, right? We're responsible for shaping our kids, for providing boundaries, for helping them when they're not quite ready to make their own decisions, for giving them those doses of truth and and love. And and here are the boundaries. I'm going to throw a flag. I used to tell my boys, whether Hmm. it's on purpose or on accident, it's still a penalty. And as a result, you got to do the time. Yeah. Um, Write that down, dads. That one's money. That's a statement that's going to live on from Mark. Okay. Sorry. Go on. But what's behind the motivation? And if you are, if you're, if you are self-aware and courageous enough to explore your own motivation and sit in some of that, that discomfort or what you don't want to see, but it's really there, then it's going to come out in a much better interaction with your, with your kids kids, whether it is just being transparent and leading to an apology or less eruptive and volatile conversations when discipline needs to take place. It's just like, what's the motivation behind how you're responding? Oh my gosh, this is so good. Okay. We're at the, do you have like a couple more minutes? Are you okay? Yes, sir. Yep. Okay. Okay. So I was going to ask you, cause you brought this word control and I find myself wanting to be very controlling. So I was going to ask you, and and I still will, but what does it look like to be controlling as a dad? But then as you talked, I I wrote a couple of things down. One is, are you in control of yourself? Right? So I think a lot of times when I react, it's because I'm so maxed out. I'm just so maxed out that I, I don't have much more. So I'm trying to control these little instances, these moments in my home. And then I react because something goes out of my expectation. And so it's really, I'm out of control of me. So I'm trying to control stuff in my family. So I I wrote four things down. One was, am I self-aware? Two is sit in my own motivation, like be able to have that self-talk right before I react and go, hang on, what's my motivation for for this right now? Wait a second, bro. You work 12 hours today. You are not, you need to walk away from this. Um, Am I being transparent, whether that's with my kids or myself? And then the reaction is you are the one that's out of control. So, so when you're trying to control, you are the one that's out of control. Um, that's what I'm getting a lot for myself out of this. Any other thoughts around that? Because I feel like a lot of us, our, our families may be tiptoeing around us. Our families, I realized this about myself over the last year. There's moments where I walk into the home, walk into my home from work and my family's like, oh, dad's here. So they look busy, they walk on eggshells because I'm taking that same like execute work. I have a team that does things I want them to do and I bring that in my home, which isn't healthy. So they walk on eggshells a little bit around me. So any thoughts on that as you're a little bit ahead in that area? Yeah, we could do another whole segment on that. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, well, any initial thoughts? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So... um that wasn't a, an attempt to deflect. Just acknowledge that it's a it's a big question, and That's there, good. there's so many there's so many different angles to to take on that. Um, but I, I guess, like in general, I'll make a stereotypical statement about guys: we know how to get stuff done, we know how to succeed, and we can be killing mm. it in the professional space. Yeah. Because we're wired and we're gifted, we're experienced. But sometimes we don't know how to use that wiring and that gifting and that experience when we walk into the home with little people 
not mm-hmm. not peer adults, you know, yeah. with with things that seem a little less significant. I'm not negotiating a seven-figure contract at home. I'm dealing with spilt milk or someone who doesn't want to clean up after themselves or is just is just pitching a fit. Like, but the more self-aware we can be as men and and use those gifts that that we use in in the workplace or in the ministry place where we're connecting with people where we're trying to draw out the best in people where we have a vision as a group that we're trying to get to like all of those best practices can still help us in the home yeah. if we're willing to to recalibrate and, and kind of take that non whatever that mentality is that non home mentality take that off as we go in the in the door here's a good way to think of it um i'm walking in as a leader what does my wife need from me right now to help her and support her what do my kids need from me right now to help them and support yes. them that that servant leader mindset where there's there's both accountability but there's also serving serving the team like how do you serve your team? There's lots of different ways that you serve your team just like every other guy that's listening serves their team, their boss, their um the, the people that work for him. Um how do we take some of that same gifting and energy and skill recalibrate it in the home environment and walk in with that um that service mindset, that service mentality? Like again, that's a we could unpack that answer for a while too. Well, then I'm just going to drop this bomb on, on dudes right now, because this is what's coming up for me. And then I'm going to ask you my last question. Something that I've been working on with my spiritual mentor is like, you and I have needs. That's okay. I was born with needs. I, I, I need to eat. I need to sleep. I need to have sex. I have needs. Like I just, I'm a man with needs, but as you're talking about this and I just love this thought of, okay, I'm at work, I'm crushing it. I'm serving my team. I'm serving my boss, whatever that looks like. When I go home, I think a lot of us men shift into, I've been serving, so now I need my needs met. And that Mm -hmm. may be one of the biggest misunderstandings. My kids and my wife are not supposed to serve my needs, right? Like I need to find another way. Now, my wife will serve some of my needs based on me first serving her needs, but let's not dig into that. My point is, are you walking into your home unknowingly? going, all right, I'm ready to be served. Take my shoes off, rub my back, give me some food. And if you're walking in with that mentality, you are treating your family incorrect way. And I think I've done that in the past and maybe even unknowingly. So dudes, if you hear that, that's why you hear people, success people talking about a morning routine or going to the gym or doing things to fulfill their needs outside of those two environments. You got to figure out how to fulfill your needs. Otherwise, if you're looking to your wife and kids, you're going to be greatly disappointed. I don't know. That's just a thought. I'll ask you my last question, but any thoughts on what yeah, I just said? Just, just one thought, especially around the the routine idea. I heard someone say this recently. Um, an older, uh, more experienced guy has a sign in his garage such that whenever he drives into his garage, parks the car, gets home from work, the sign right in front of him says, I'm going into the most important meeting of uh, my day. Yeah. Yeah. For him, for him, that has helped and worked. Now it may be something a little different for, for each of us, 
But what is that reminder that the most important meeting, the most important function, the most important team you've got is the one that you're walking in to greet at the end of the day? Powerful, powerful. Oh, Mark, this has been so rich. This is exactly what I needed today. God knew that. Here we are. And I'm so delighted that other dudes will just get to hear in on on what I needed. Um, My final question is legacy question. And you're at like this really interesting point about to be a grandpa, right? Uh, Imagine 25 years from now, your son, your oldest son will be pretty close to this mark that you're at now, 50. So imagine you're now 75 and you're looking into his life. He's probably got kids. He might even be becoming a grandpa for the first time like you, like, whoa, right? 25 years from now. What is it that you see from a legacy stance that you go, man, you're smiling because you know the work you put in when you're peering into his home, your kids' homes, you see something being played out. What do you see played out? Yeah. A couple of thoughts come to mind. So my my mission, my personal goal, my mission statement, if you will, is to 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 model and to champion courageous, authentic, and godly manhood. Mm. If I have done that well, then my boys and my son-in-law are going to walk into that and live it out, what it looks like for them. And so I get to be the older guy and um, I, I had this vision from a, a question like this not too long ago. I get to be the older guy sitting on the front porch with a with a simple, cool drink in a nice warm day, watching the generations play out in front of me and having a sense of there it is. There it is. I'm seeing healthy, courageous, authentic, godly manhood in the generation that I helped to raise now being passed on to the next generation. And the ripple effect is going to be huge, Mm. man. It's going to be huge. Yes. Having an understanding and awareness of that ripple effect is enormous. It's enormous. Mark, thank you so much for, for the man you are. Uh, thank you for loving your wife well and being an example. Thank you for loving your kids well. Um, thank you for the way that you show up, your openness to share that with us. And uh, I just, just blessings on you, man. Continued success and growth and excitement on this new chapter of your life. And uh, thank you so much for being here and, and sharing some of that with us. Much appreciated. It's, it's my pleasure, dude. And I forgot to say, super excited for the, uh, the adventure of fatherhood. I got it a while back, and I'm uh, I'm going to give it to my son uh, as part of recognizing his his yeah. shift, his transition. Like, dude, you got it. You got what it takes. I'm here. I believe in you. But but go go live the adventure. So thank you for writing this. Mm, and, thank you. Um, Quality, quality stuff. Excited to have it in my hands and to be able to pass it out and honored to be able to share my story and uh, uh, help you and your audience in this way on, on this podcast. Appreciate it, man. Until next time. What an incredible conversation. This one note, my friends, write this down. This can be a mantra that you utilize regularly, and that is, I have nothing to prove and nothing to hide. I have nothing to prove and nothing to hide. If we could operate from that mental state, we would have so much to give because there would be so much less holding us back. 
Um, my friends, we talked about it a little bit, Mark and I, the new adventure of fatherhood children's book. I'm so pumped. It's out. It is amazing. I'm getting so much great feedback, seeing pictures of dads reading it to their kids and just themselves reading it and feeling this connection to it. Um, I'm so excited to share it with the world. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, please go to Amazon, grab the adventure of fatherhood children's book. Please write a review on it. Help spread the word. Order one for yourself. Order one for a friend. Invite a new dad into his role. Um, You can also go to adventurefatherhood.com and order a gift box for a new dad, which is an incredible way to invite a father in. You know, Mark and I talked a lot about this. Most men are still wondering, do they have what it takes? Now, and they need to be called in by another man, something that Mark mentioned. That was the whole point of me creating this children's book and the new dad box was a tool that you and I can use to invite a new dad into their role as a father because no one else is going to do it. Every man that I've given this box to, they've said, this is the only gift I got. I was just talking to a gentleman earlier this week and he was talking about becoming a dad for the first time. And it was like this really significant moment for him, but he said, no one acknowledged it. Nobody acknowledged him as a father. And he felt like there's this massive moment that just happened in my life and no one's saying anything about it. Imagine that it's like, it's your birthday and nobody says happy birthday. I mean, but having a kid like a once in a lifetime, I mean, especially as a first time dad opportunity, dudes, we have to call men into this role. So Amazon or adventurefatherhood.com or write a card, do something on your own, whatever, just I bestow upon you the authority to invite dads into their role. All right, my dudes. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebel and Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast. What you do matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is who your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned. Shout together. Let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time. Thank you.